Welcome to Talent X, the Talent Experience Podcast featuring authentic conversations on the future of work, empowering you to better understand and deliver a best in class, future proofed career experience. For more insightful conversations, visit talentxpodcast.com. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Talent X Podcast. Welcome to the Talent X Podcast. Talent X is a podcast in the talent space addressing the thought leadership in this ever-changing marketplace. Today, I have a great, uh, just a wonderful person that I've known for several years, John Sumser, who is the owner, founder, writer, presenter, godfather of HR Examiner. Welcome, John. Hi, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. Hey, John, just out of curiosity, HR Examiner's been around forever and a day. Do you know what your following is like? Uh, well, do you, mean, do you mean have I met them and can I tell you about them individually or do you want numbers? No, I'm just wondering numbers. Like what's the distribution of your, of your uh, publication? So, so, so the newsletter goes out every week to 20,000 people and it's a really interesting list of 20,000. We encourage people who don't like it to get off um, and so the newsletter has stayed level at 20,000 with the same number of people getting off as who get on every week, basically. Then the website has about 40,000 monthly visitors. And, uh, so between the two of them, you know, I think the total audience is maybe six. Um, they just, they just read the newsletter a lot. They read it all the time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's my go-to, um, because you really do address all the changes that are going on and the trends that are going on um, in HR technology and the people that are making it happen. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for reading. Yeah. So John, what do you, my gosh, look what's going out, uh, going on in today's society with uh, COVID-19. How do you think it's impacting the HR space? Well, this is a really challenging time to be in HR. Um, on the one hand, um, you're the gateway to all of the policy that people are interested in. So in HR departments everywhere, the number of questions that HR practitioners are being answered is going through the ceiling. Um, on the other hand, um, you're the source of compassion. When the, you're the organization's expression of compassion when somebody gets sick or somebody dies. And so there's a lot more of that. And then at the very same time as the, the HR professional has those two roles that involve empathy, everybody's laying off. Um, and so, so the cognitive dissonance involved in being an HR professional is acute right now because compassion and being there to protect the country's, the company's interest in a layoff are the two tasks that people have. It's, it's a tough time. It is a tough time. And a lot of these companies um, who've been competing for top talent and have worked for their work to make sure that their employer brand has been so uh, relevant in the space, they're now laying, these, laying people off. And how do you think they're protecting their brand? Have you seen any innovative things happening? 
Well, I'm, I'm not the world's greatest believer that there is such a thing as an employment brand. I, I, I get the idea that it's super important to convey a good message about what it's like to work in your company. But the relationship between employees and the company varies over time. Sometimes the employees have the upper hand and sometimes the company has the upper time. In times of labor shortage, employees have the upper hand and candidates have the upper hand. And in times of labor surplus, the company has the upper hand. And so as that power balance shifts, the way that you describe the message shifts, right? And so, so what's important to people looking for work today is stability. Right? I don't want to take a job with some, well, I don't know. It depends how long it's been since I wrote my mortgage check, I suppose. Um, but I generally don't want a job with a fly-by-night operation. I want something that's stable. And stability trumps free lunches and ping-pong tables, uh, where those might have been important things to have a month ago. Yeah. And, you know, one of the important things to have in the in the past has been the opportunity to work remote now in north america we allowed you know a, a remote working quite a bit but in japan where the element of trust was was is not definitely there um we witnessed remote working not occurring now everybody's globally is working remote is this here to stay so I don't know who you've talked to, but almost everybody that I know is less than perfectly happy working from home. Um, so if you've got kids, I think it was it was only about two weeks till you figured out that you wish you could go back to the office. Um, <laughs> um, and, and if you are, as I am, working at home with a partner, um, um, the house gets small, the house gets small. And, and almost everybody I talk to is comfortable noticing that the house gets small and that maybe, maybe it's nice to talk to somebody else every once in a while in a, in a hangout by the water cooler sort of way. That's, that's interesting. Um, and, and I hear you because my girlfriend says, I love my, I love my children dearly, but if I hear mommy, one more time today I, I i just i can't handle it and so as she went to her husband's office to work the other the other, the other day are you witnessing any other trends um out there in the marketplace as a result of covid 19. well sure there, there's there's a, a, a kind of a, a disturbing trend and the disturbing trend is that since most lead generation approaches that existed prior to the start of this have failed completely, there are a lot of desperate marketers with a lot of taking up a lot of space in my inbox with nothing to say. Uh, but but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Joe's job board it has a message for me about COVID nineteen, and so. In order to just navigate my my in basket, I've had to put a filter on it that says if COVID nineteen is mentioned, I don't look at it, um, and I'm hardly alone in that. 
hardly alone in that. It's, it's unlikely that most of the people who are trying to tell me something about COVID-19 actually have anything worth listening to. Um, and so it is a, the height of arrogance um, and a black mark that's worse than some black mark on their employment brand, I'll never look at their email again. Um, you'll never look at their email again. And so being tone deaf in this environment when there aren't very many answers and and there are a ton of people claiming to have answers, that's 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 a disturbing trend to me. The other thing that's interesting is you know, um, we're also the rage up to about a month ago. But if you're in a company that has layoffs and the boss comes along with a survey and asks you how you feel about the company, are you going to tell her the truth? It was the case before this that you could rely on a face value response from an employee because there was lots of abundance and employees were well taken care of and and there was a competition for employees. But now, if you say the wrong thing, you risk your job. And so just like you might, you might imagine that um, people in, who would be whistleblowers or the people who support whistleblowers in the American government aren't piping up so much, the same thing is happening with engagement surveys and pulse surveys is the, the data's the data is less than trustworthy, and that means that people have to uh, install systems that check on employee temperament from um, less verbal cues and don't solicit it overtly, but listen to voice tone or monitor all of the email in the system to see changes in language across the system. Um, and, and those sorts of things are starting to get more popular. Yes, um, and I was just speaking with somebody today in regards to pulse surveys. Um, that they they're still being they're still being used quite a bit. <laughs> so, Sean, leaders. Are, this is where leaders are made, and 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 like you and I, we've been in this space a while, but for ten years, the HR leader has you know surfed a wonderful wave and drawn a big paycheck. Now they're making some serious decisions. Um, what do you think? How have their jobs changed? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, first of all, in a pandemic, right? We we may flatten the curve, but until there are vaccines and antibody tests, we're not going to be able to reconstitute the workforce in the work in the old workplace and so the job of the HR department starts to be figuring out what the minimum necessary levels of capability are right and so that means when we had succession planning a month ago succession planning was whether or not we had the right replacement for the CEO Tomorrow, like really tomorrow, 24 hours from now tomorrow, um, we need to know who the replacement is for the truck driver and who the replacement is for the person in HR who knows how to do the payroll. Because your workforce, until there's a vaccine and until there is an antibody test, 
your workforce is going to have 20% of its people out from sickness for nine, uh, 90 days and three to 5% of it dying. And you don't get to pick which ones, no matter how, you, how much you'd like to. Yeah. Do you, do you think that uh, there's obviously a big morale issue going on right now? Like, as you said, even in your own household. Um, is there anything HR can do to compensate for some of the stresses that are that's occurring now to the employer to their employees? I've seen organizations that start every meeting with a three to five minute breathing exercise. That's a pretty good idea because you can't you can't fix what people are scared of. What people are scared people are scared of getting sick, dying, being broke having the society fall apart. You know, people are scared about some big things that it's just not possible to control. But you can set an example inside of an organization for taking a deep breath before we go any further and really being calm as we move into things. The, the biggest risk we face is that people will develop certainty about their answers. And right now, we don't have enough information to have single thread certain answers to anything. So the great leader, instead of trying to get to certainty so that they can make proclamations and look like an expert, the great leader sort of surfs changing expectations. As we learn about things, the way the world operates is different. And a great leader does that and provides what, what I think of as um, fog lights in the fog of war. So the, the, the great leader helps see in the midst of the fog. And that's not fixed answers. That's, that's trust and confidence that comes from being there. So you have these really interesting questions like, should the supervisor visit people while they're working at home? And if the supervisor comes to your house while you're working at home, do you have to clean it? You know, do you have to put on extra specialized clothes? Do the kids have to be all scrubbed up because the boss is coming over to inspect the workplace? Um, and we're going to deal with very fundamental issues like that while we're trying to figure out how to keep the company going. Yeah, and, and some companies are, are identifying how to measure their employee success during this COVID-19 exercise. Um, it, it, just because job descriptions are, are very vague, especially in some organizations. So there's, there's a, a risk in trying to turn metrics into the success of, their, of, of what they're doing at home. Do you see jobs like this probably coming back into the company? I think, I, think, I think more jobs than most people think will come back into the company, but they won't come back into the company until we can guarantee that you're safe to come to work. So my, my sort of back of the envelope test is if you've got a five-story building, um, what is it gonna take to get more than one person on the elevator? Uh, right? Um, how do you make people safe enough so that they can all get on the elevator together? Because until you have that, you can't reopen the office. That, oh, that's, that's, that's so true. And, and 
and it's going to be very hard for people to make the decision. Do we call, uh, do we ask our employees to come back? Because you're right, the companies that are up on the 20th and 30th floor of some of these high rises, um, do we ask them to step into the elevator? And with three or four people that they don't know that are probably going to other floors. There are so many ifs going into in after COVID-19. Yep. Yep. We, and we don't have the answers yet. And right now, you, you've been in you've been in a company where you moved offices, yeah. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and, and nothing gets done the first couple of weeks after you move offices. And we just had a big office move. Everybody moved into a new office last week or the week before. And so, so it's appropriate for people to be confused. It's appropriate for people to cry half the time. It's appropriate for people to be scared. And um, that means that having realistic expectations about what's going to happen is central to effective HR. Oh, that's def definitely, definitely. John, when we speak of talent, and, and this is obviously the strength of this show, um, talent has so many um, other facets to it. Um, education, leadership, mentoring, these are all parts of professional development. And I can't help but think somehow we as employees need to dig deep and start thinking, here's our chance to take ourselves to the next level. Are you seeing any employers encouraging their employees to uh, follow that path? It's very early. It's very, very early. That that will come. That will come. But right now, people are wounded. It's a mistake to to sort of growl at somebody and say, "Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make yourself into something new." When we're about to walk into a moment where everybody is suffering grief and everybody is taking bereavement leave. Um, um, and so, so that idea of personal development, that's May, June, that'll start to be a very interesting thing. But right now, um, uh, what we need to try to do is stay coherent and stay compassionate and understand that, that this is a frightening time and that it is perfectly reasonable for our employees to behave as if they're frightened. Well, the uncertainty is, is definitely there, and, and the media obviously contributes to that. John, we're all about talent. Um, you have been with HR Examiner. You created it. Um, but you're also known as the speaker and analyst, being a voice of HR. What is it that you like about what you do? So I'm really lucky. I am just super lucky. I get to follow my curiosity, and, and I've been following my curiosity for 25 years. I happen to be, because of some accidents of birth, I happen to be very, very interested in the way that work is structured and how organizations operate. I happen to think that organizations are complex, dynamic systems that may actually be biological entities. and 
And I'm super curious about how you make organizations do the things that you want the organization to do, because they don't always do that. Um, and so, so I've been looking at that from a variety of perspectives for a long time and love talking about it, love writing about it, love uh, helping people understand how to make their systems work better. Um, and, you know, my pet project for the last four or five years has been learning how to incorporate machine employees into the organization. So I, I spent a lot of time talking about AI and intelligent tools. Um, and if you want to find out about that, follow me on HR Examiner. Follow me on Twitter at John Sumser. And there's a pretty steady flow of information about intelligent tools and um, some not so worky things because I think that blending work and play is what you're supposed to do. John, I have a question. This is personal. How does uh, an engineer turn HR? You start with a philosophy degree. So the real question is how do you turn a philosopher into a credentialed engineer? Uh, and once you can figure out how to do that, then, then going, to, going to HR is easy. But the big trick, the really big trick is getting fired at the right time. Um, um, I, had, I had come to California for the job of my dreams and it didn't work out. And I had to do something. Um, and I'd studied HR in graduate school and... You know, my dad ran the project to develop the Dictionary of Occupational Titles in the Department of Labor in the early 60s, so it was dining room table conversation. And I've stayed looking at that project ever since. Uh -huh. That's wonderful. You know, John, thank you. It's always a pleasure to chat with you and catch up. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's been great, and good luck to you. Thank you. And this is Rhonda from Talent X Podcast saying... See you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Talent X Podcast. For more talent experience and future of work conversations, visit talentxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at talentxpodcast. Or join the conversation with hashtag talentxpodcast on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Talent X, the talent experience podcast, was brought to you by the fabulous Fuelies at Fuel 50.